0: Welcome back to Awkward Insurance, the podcast where anything awkward goes, and we hope we find something awkward to talk about today. I have with me today somebody I am super excited to talk to. I've been wanting to catch up with her ever since she joined the National Alliance. I have Kat Ferris. Um, She is an alphabet super, so here we go. C-I-C-C-R-M-C-P-C-U-A-U-C-L-C-S. Did I get it all? I think that's all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Kat, thank you so much for being here today. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Kat is the new Commercial Lines academic director. She has been here since January and Kat is a ball of uh, So like I said, I'm happy to have her here today. She's a competing bodybuilder and she says she's currently in her off season, but she's still amazing. So she's not someone that I want to have a battle with. Kat, thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about you and what amazing hottie hole you crawled out of. Uh-huh. Well, thank you, um,
1: Destin. So let's see about me. You know, I'm an insurance geek through and through. And it's one of those things that when I started in the industry, I had no idea what in the world I was doing. <laughs> You know, uh, Here I, it does. I didn't know what I was doing either. Yeah. So what had happened was I was, so before I got into insurance, I did wedding planning. And then I, when I had my daughter, I stopped working and I needed to go back into work. But I thought, you know, I don't want to do weddings anymore. I just want a nine to five job. And so I applied for a job at A managing general agency. And I was just thinking, like, I just wanted a reception job because here I am, no formal education, really no skills. I had been a stay-at-home mom for a little while. I just, I just wanted a plain old reception job. So I interviewed at this place, and before we did any interview, they made me take one of those placement exams. And I did that and I come back in a week later and they said, Well, you scored really high in math we would like to interview you for an underwriting position and i went that's great i don't know what underwriting is <laughs> you know. and then i thought i scored high in math gosh how badly did i do in everything else because i'm not good at math that's funny but it, it was great because this was uh it was an mga that focused on trucking and marine insurance for the ens markets so a lot of who we underwrote for was lloyds of london so this was i'm talking like pen and paper the joke was we'll write insurance for anything for the right price, you know, just surcharge it, just kind of develop these rates for whatever you think is appropriate.
0: <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. And mostly trucking and marine. So pen and pet. Pa- OK, so you said pen and paper mm-hmm. underwriting and rating, right? Yeah. Yeah. OK, so I tried to do this once. I'm young enough that I've never had to manually rate anything mm-hmm. in my life. But I had an older retired insurance professional as a client, and he was really disputing a rate. So he wanted me to pull out the rate and rule manual for his policy or for his carrier, and I gave it my best my best effort. Man, I sucked at it really (laughs) bad. (laughs) I wasn't even close to what his premium was. Well, and
1: that's I imagine is a lot harder for personal lines too, because I feel like a personal lines rating is so just. I mean, the, the things are built into the rates and personal lines. So oh funny story. Right. So I, I know we're going off on a tangent, but I did a little, I did about a year and a half stint in personal lines, mainly because I wanted to get into a training role. And so I was like, okay, well, let me, let me do some personal lines after doing commercial underwriting for about 11 years. So I was a field underwriter uh, uh, in, in personal lines. And my first visit, I'm out visiting an agency and our sales manager or marketing rep or whatever you want to call them, you know, was with me at the time. And the agent was hemming and hawing about his auto rates. And this was his own personal policy. He for $500 more expensive than the competitor. And me coming from commercial lines, I sit there and I go, what's your target price? Let me see if I can get there. And the Uh-oh. sales manager is elbowing me and he tells me, you can't do that in personal lines. I'm like, why not?
0: <laughs> I know. I've had those clients too that understand commercial and they're like, just go to the carrier and ask them if they can. I'm like, yep, didn't work that way. So <laughs> sorry. <Whatever>. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, yeah, like,
1: so kind of going from my, you know, starting with an MGA that did just e where I could write whatever rates that I want. And then after being with them for a couple of years, I got an underwriting position with nationwide insurance. So going from the ENS to a very main street, I was thinking, okay, this is different. I I
0: don't have as much pricing flexibility, but I've got some. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit about your background. Um, So the conversation that I'm really hopeful to have with you today This one came about, something struck a chord with me. And, you know, there's a little bit of a shift happening in society right now. I don't know if it's just because I'm paying attention to something different. You know, it's kind of like when you buy a new car because nobody else has that car. And then all of a sudden you buy the car and on your way home, you see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm just a little hyper-focused on this at the moment because something rubbed me uh, uh, the wrong way a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, for my generation, college was always the next step. If you chose to do something after school other than go to college, you were failing to launch into adulthood. It was just such a huge focus in high school for us that college is the next step. College prep, ACT, SAT. You know, you had to do something. I struggled with that a little bit, but I still followed that that path. But more and more, we're hearing re, uh, retractions on that. And I, you know, for me, I really think it started with who's the guy? His name's Mike. Can't Mike think of Rowe. Dirty jobs. He, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Started. I think it kind of really started generating with Mike Rowe when he was like, man, trades are it. Pay attention. College isn't the only answer you can go into a trade. And he's done such a wonderful job of really advocating for that because going into a trade is an option. Taking a leap year is an option. Industries are trying harder than ever to reach high school kids. I mean, we're doing it. We've got a, a high school program in order to try and just introduce them to insurance. So maybe we can have a couple of insurance professionals that get into this on purpose instead <laughs> of on accident, like everybody says. But you know, I kind of think as insurance is a little bit of a trade. Of course, you can go to a university now. We've got a lot of great universities that are offering insurance and risk management programs. But before that was a thing, a lot of your education for insurance came from your licensing courses and your CE courses. And then we've got companies that started developing really focused and direct education for that. And that's why I wanted to get you on here today, because you and I are equals. We are here at the National Alliance. We are both academic directors, but we have such very different educational paths, and we still got to the same point. And what really got me into this topic, well, let me just start with this. My child's entering middle school and she's getting to start making decisions for the first time. And like, I don't remember doing this in middle school. I just remember going to middle school, but they're giving her sheets of courses that she can, you know, choose first, second, and third option, whatever she wants to take. And the counselor came in to talk to all the little fifth graders about various course options that they could choose from. And my child decided, because she's. My brain, but God bless her, she looks just like her daddy. And she decided to listen to this counselor. They came in and uh, they started talking about a course that was going to teach study skills, teach her how to take effective notes, teach her what she needed to do for the rest of her education at uh, middle school and high school in order to look good for colleges. So this really appealed to her. And of course, a 10 year old coming to me with all these logic. And, and and thoughtful reasons as to why she wanted to take this course, I, of course I supported her. So she turned in her course selection to her teacher and her teacher told her that the course she wanted to take was for struggling kids, was for kids without educational support from their families and kids who would likely be first generation college kids. So take from that what you will as to what demographic that teacher was pointing towards And it's the opposite of the demographic that my child is in. And she largely has a ton of opportunity in front of her. But man, she was really fired up about this. She wanted to be a self-starter. She didn't want to keep asking me for help. And that teacher came in and just basically shot her down a little bit. So being that I have a college education and she's watching her dad right now finish his college education, she got a little sad because she really wanted to do that for herself. So, of course, I got upset, but I'm not the type to immediately get defensive and get on a teacher. I like to challenge my kids and set them up to handle their own um, feelings and their own troubles themselves if they can. And then if I have to step in, then I will. But my kid's taking her own steps. She knows what her weaknesses are. She shows, um, she knows that she struggles to keep up with her teachers when they're taking notes. So she really wanted to take this course. And I told her, here's the thing. You know, this may be what your teacher thinks of the class, but if that's really what it is, then you can learn from those kids. You've got something to learn from them because it sounds like you wanna take the class because you don't have enough confidence in yourself to be able to keep up. And I bet you there's a lot of confidence that can be built in a class like this. But if this is really what this class is, and it's geared more towards the student that needs educational support when they're not getting it at home, I bet they can learn something from you too, and y'all can learn together, and you'll learn more about yourself in both of those directions. So I encouraged her to still sign up for the class. But after that, something else happened. Is you know how, like I said, it's like buying a car and then you suddenly start paying attention to the other stuff. Well, something else happened after that. And there was a situation where a teacher was in front of her students and was talking uh, to me about the students that she had decided that would meet her criteria to be in this study group that we were taking a part of. And one of the students I could tell was a class clown. And the student was asking me all kinds of funny questions, and some of them were not exactly on topic and maybe not even appropriate. But when you looked underneath his questions, the student was really looking for an alternative source of encouragement, another way out, if you will. How did you, like one of his questions was, how did you get where you started? And instead of going through an educational background, I was like, dude, I used to be a waitress you can do anything because a college a high school kid's not going to come straight out of college and have a career they've got to have a path to a successful career so this teacher openly said what got to me and it struck a chord with me because i just had this conversation with my own kid but here i am having a similar conversation with a teacher that has her doctorate right here in front of these kids and the teacher openly told this student you barely made the cut to be in this group with all of the other students around and it was really hard for me to bite my tongue Mm -hmm. (laughs) but without hesitation i immediately jumped in and said to that student don't let someone else talk you down barely making the cut still made the cut and if you don't make the cut then try again And I said, I told the class, I said, you know what? My husband has a phrase that he says a lot. What's the difference between a doctor that passed medical school with an A and a doctor that passed medical school with a C? Was it the different? They're still doctors. They're still doctors. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't like filter that through my brain enough to realize that she had a doctorate too. <laughs> Probably put my foot in my mouth a little mm-hmm. bit cuz I I did not want to look at her face <laughs> when I re- when that brain to mouth filter
1: finally caught up to me. You know what though? I but, think it's good. You know what? Some some people need
0: that moment of, of they need that humility. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, you know, then I, of course I went through, you know, I was in high school and then I was a waitress and tried being in the medical field and I have a degree that has nothing to do with current with what I currently do. And then I, you know, got a little bit older and got a degree in something close to what I currently do. Mm-hmm. But then as I was processing all of that, I thought, you know what, who better to have this conversation with than Kat? Because <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so thank you so much for being on the the podcast with me today, but there was something else that I, you know, I've been grappling with today too, and you and I, before this podcast started, we both started hinting on it a little bit, and I just really want to um, make the focus of the conversation, uh, something that, a uh, conversation that I had with someone else recently. That your education, no matter where you get it from, is your responsibility and Mm -hmm. you can make it into whatever you need it to be to get you where you're going. And so I've been on Facebook today, probably stay off Mm -hmm. of it because I, you know, I struggle with not responding to people sometimes and I do a pretty good job at it. But this person's on Facebook, God bless him. And he posts, I don't even know who this guy is, but he posts a picture that he's been in a CE class for a certain carrier for six hours. And he goes to take the test. Mm -hmm. And the message that he gets back is that the CE, I want to say it's probably licensing or something, has expired. So he's set through this course and he's not able to finish the exam. It was like a warning sign that he posted. And it's the responses underneath it that really got me that they were like, you should take this type of CE and just get it done with faster. 30 minutes, click, 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 Mm -hmm. and you're done. So I got a little defensive and I don't normally comment, but I did, and I said, why just take CE to take CE? Be better than that. Do better for yourself and for your clients. I got attacked, man. Oh, yes, of
1: course like (laughs) i mean because people they post things on facebook they just want the echo chamber they just want people to agree with them they don't want anyone to you know
0: bring another viewpoint how dare you (laughs) i know so be better than that and kat what an example that you set for be better than that you said at the very beginning um, or before we you jumped on this podcast, that why just take CE mm-hmm. when you can work on a designation too? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how you built your yeah. educational background, right? Yeah, that's exactly how I started. You know, And
1: again, truth be told, when I started my career in the industry, I didn't start it thinking it was going to be a career. I just wanted a job. I was tired of watching Teletubbies every morning and soap operas. Oh
0: my God, I
1: just, so it's time for me to go back to work and talk to adults instead of just my little child. So blues clues for it, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and, and to give you, you know, just a little bit more background. So when I was a teenager, I mean, I was very strict upbringing. I wanted to be a lawyer and, you know, I was just Had to get straight A's in school. Me too. I wanted to be a lawyer too. And you know, I was just telling, so I've got a 15 year old that's thinking, he doesn't know what he wants to do, but he's thinking, well, that sounds interesting. And I wanted to say, if you want to be a lawyer, but you don't want to go to law school, Just get into insurance because there's so much similarity. (laughs) Because there's so
0: much. If you want to be an actuary without getting into actuarial stuff, just be an insurance. Exactly, exactly. There's so much you can do there. If you want to be a graphic designer without being solid on graphic, just get into insurance. Insurance is the answer for everything. It really is the best industry in the world.
1: (laughs) It really is. Yeah. So in high school, you know, I just I had all these great plans. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. And, you know, looking at all these different colleges. Well, then around my junior year in high school, I started to get a little, you know, less focused on my studies, so to speak. And so then um, I Long story you mean short. you were starting to act like a high schooler yes and maybe yeah, okay <laughs> maybe starting to act like maybe a little bit older than a high schooler so i ended up i had my daughter at 19 so you know you can do the math there so the universe basically said okay go on to the traditional college is not going to be the route that you take you're a mom now and so i when i started working again not only was I a uh, young female, but I was a young female mother. And so it, with that comes a lot of that stigma. Oh, she's a young mom. She's a teen mom. So I had to work my butt off to be taken seriously.
0: Yeah. Well, even without that, we still have to work our butts seriously. off. To be taken seriously.
1: I know, especially as a woman. And we won't go down that high horse completely, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yes. um so when i was working at this uh, at the mga i decided to test for my agent's license and i mean in that particular job i didn't need an agent's license cuz i wasn't going to be selling anything anyway but i just wanted to do it to see if i could and then once i got my agent's license i thought it fueled that need to be learning something. you know, it felt really good to learn. and it made me more confident in myself and it also made me feel like okay i can i can excel in this job and not just use it to you know kill time during the day this can be an actual career and so that i'm not relying on my ex-husband for everything so as a woman education was the key for me to be empowered and to you know gain my own independence um and so after I got my agent's license, and then I started to pursue my AU, the Associate in Commercial Underwriting. And so when I did that, I thought, let me keep going. So I'm gonna go for my CPCU because working on the carrier side of things, the CPCU is very theoretical in nature. And that seemed to be the the, the gold standard yes. um, to go for. Yeah, so I just did that self-study program. And I, every couple of months would Order some new books and take a test. And, you know, I was on that role until I failed my first CPC exam. And then I stopped for a couple of years because I was so deflated. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wow. It was the accounting one because it's math. And I must have. But you it.
0: scored so well I on know. math as an underwriter. It was a fluke. It was a
1: fluke. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the logic, it wasn't the actual math itself. So I. I kind of took a break from doing my CPCU for a while. And then after a couple of years, uh, so my company at the time, they paid for people to take the CPCU trip. So I thought, oh, okay. Can I make it for the Hawaii trip? No, can I make it for the Vegas trip? Okay, so I got back into that. And once I finished my CPCU, I had this thought of, okay, what's next? Because I really like learning things. I don't necessarily yes. like taking tests. But I like learning things. So I can go down a Wikipedia, right-click, right-click, right-click rabbit hole for hours because I'm just like, more information. This is exciting. So yeah, so after I got my CPCU, I saw that a lot of colleges had uh, these programs where you could use your CPCU for undergrad credits to get uh, Mm -hmm. a master's. uh, So there was a master's in instructional design that seemed really interesting. Oh, awesome. And well, and I was kind of at this crossroads where I thought, this is really great. I can leverage this for all of these undergrad credits. And I wanted to continue pursuing my education. And the company that I was with, they would pay for my education, but they would not pay for credit transfers. And so okay. when I kind of did the math, which was very sloppy math, because, you know, again,
0: I don't love math. But, I, but you scored so well. <laughs> it's so, gonna keep throwing that out there. <laughs> and so it's
1: still even to use my CPCU to go to a traditional college, it still would have cost me, you know, close to twenty thousand dollars of my own money just for all
0: the credit, you know, to apply for all the credit transfers and everything. And I thought Yes, everybody listen up real quick. I mean I'm here and ching to ching, going in the wrong direction. Somebody else's pocket, not your own. Yes, I did not want to do that. So instead I thought,
1: okay if I'm going to keep learning, let me take the learning paths that my company will pay for (laughs) rather than the ones that I have to pay for. So I, and honestly, working on the carrier side, CIC and the National Alliance, that wasn't something that we had heard a lot about. But because at that point in my career too, I started working with a lot more independent agents That's when I heard about these other designations, CISR and CIC. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And one of my coworkers uh, had previously been in an agency and she had a CIC. And so I learned more about it. And I thought, okay. Again, it became one of those things where I got to do my CE anyway. Let me do my CE and get some other letters after my name. Um, Because, again, for the longest time, Credibility was something that I felt like I had to fight for. Being someone that did not have a college degree and being a woman, I felt like I had to fight to earn credibility more so
0: than perhaps some of my peers. Do you feel like you would have felt so compelled to fight for credibility if you had chosen a more traditional educational path? I mean, I think there still would have been a fight
1: somehow, but no, because again, our society puts so much emphasis on the college degree. Um, and mm. I was interviewing at one point, it was a leadership position um, in with my old company. And I had even said, I was like, well, kind of torn. You know, I can do this, or I can focus on going back to college and getting a degree. And they just, he just shut me down. He goes, you need to finish that degree. And it made me go, oh, okay. Uh, and I felt a little right. defeated, but... Mm. You know, again, kind of like you said, I look at my peers and, you know, I've I've had peers that had degrees in something completely unrelated to what they were doing.
0: Yes, that's me. Yeah. Hello. Let me tell you, do you know about the two degrees that I have that have nothing to do with anything (laughs) that I do? <laughs> what are they there are the two degrees <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's true because you all I mean you know just as well as I do even with our designations and what makes our designations so awesome there's there's a there's a um a hidden agenda behind the courses that we take. But the the forward facing agenda if you will the course description the agenda that's printed in black and white and the notebook that you receive it's not exactly what happens in the real world it's what gives you your foundation but then there's the real world practice of it and that's the hidden agenda behind the courses that we have is when we get to be and when we get to do our classes in the most amazing way which in my opinion is in person Mm -hmm. we get to vibe off each other we get to feed off each other we get to learn from each other we get to share the the stories from claims that are just insane or a claim that you didn't think was going to be paid and did get paid or vice versa. And that's where you really do the learning when you get to tie that language that you're learning into all of these, what I call outside of the glass house experiences, because all of your textbooks are nice and protected from the Mm -hmm. weather inside the glass house. But then all the crazy crap happens on the outside. And that's what
1: impressed me so much about uh, the, the National Alliance. So I remember going in for my first CIC class. And again, this is after a couple of years of me doing CPCU and self study, which was all very theoretical. And then yeah. taking my first CIC Institute, being in that classroom and hearing these instructors that they're not just there regurgitating information that they've read. I mean, these were people that had real life experiences and that were able to share that information. And I remember thinking, wow. Okay, I'm really like, I'm not just here to learn information for the test. I'm really, this is helpful. The second CIC Institute that I did was the commercial property. And I went into it a little copy, to tell you the truth, because I thought, because I thought, <laughs> I know this. I'm like, I did CPCU commercial property. How hard could CIC commercial property be? <laughs> Well, completely <laughs> different, you know, because the CPCU commercial property was, again, very geared towards underwriting, geared a lot more towards the theory of, of it instead of the application of it. I don't do well with insurance
0: theory. Mm-hmm. I need the black and white. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, going into the property, I was like, oh, oh, OK, this is this is a much different take on on these concepts. Um. So, yeah, I was just. Like it was real world information. It was information that everybody leaving that class, whether or not they pass the exam or whether or not they're even there for the exam, you know, they're going to leave with useful tools. that's going to make them better at their job.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's why I call, uh, you know, your style of education. And I've, I've got the same style of education. You know, I told this student in the classroom from the story that I just told, You know, I've got these degrees over here. They're on a very pretty colored paper. But the ones that I hold most dear to me are the ones that are directly related to what I do. I learned the most. And when I started to learn the most is when I realized that I was the one that was in charge of what to make out of my insurance education. When you're sitting in college, especially when you're really young, I'm just Man, I'm harping on my kids right now. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to college when you're done with high school if you don't want to because you don't got your life figured out yet. Nope, you don't know any. what you want to be yet. It's so hard, you know? And not only is it hard, but it's an expensive. It is It is expensive.
1: expensive. Yeah. So I tease my husband all the time and we riff on this uh, John Mulaney bit. So my husband's an English teacher and I always tease him like, you spent $120,000 on a degree the <laughs> language that you already spoke <laughs> you know a <laughs> hundred and twenty
0: thousand oh dollars for that english degree <laughs> that's hilarious no but that's what it is is you know and then kids they've just gotten out of high school they need a little bit of a breather um, yeah. every once in a while and i'm not knocking formal education i really am not so please anybody that's listening Don't think that I'm knocking formal education. When you know what you're doing or even when you need a little bit more guidance into what you think you want to do, college is great for that. There are a ton of great advisors that can really help steer you in the right direction. And it's a huge resource, you know, when you've got uh, the teachers surrounding you and uh, professionals coming in from all around to really help guide you and everything else. But when you forego the traditional education or even if you pair your traditional education with uh, industry education, it's still it's the same thing, though. It's really up to you to take that and mold it the way you want to, to, uh, you know, I remember being in college. Of course, I did it the hard way. I worked full time. I had a kid at the time as well. I wasn't a single mother though, so kudos to the single moms that are really out there trying to be that strong person for themselves and their kids. But my husband worked nights, so I was constantly feeling like a single mom and having to bring her with me. And I had some wonderful professors that would pick her up and tote her around the classroom, you know, whatever. But I didn't ask a lot of questions. I didn't really mold my college education into something that was tailored to fit my needs. I was waiting for them to tailor the education to what I needed or something. And so I was still a little too young to really understand how valuable my interaction with my education would be. I didn't ask a ton of questions. now you get into CIC and CISR, you get some of the greatest faculty members out there that really engage you and get you to ask the questions and answer the questions. It takes about an hour into the course before anybody will raise their hand, by the way. (laughs) You know, but then you really start interacting and molding your education. And that's where that, that's where the application is. That's where the meat and bones are. And I think too, you have to consider, I mean, you think about, Most
1: of the kids in high school, they're sitting through these classes and they're going, "When am I ever going to need to use the Pythagorean theorem? You know, when am I going to need to use this? When am I going to need to use that?" And some people, they they like learning that bigger picture. They like the the art of learning, the concept, the practice of it, and that's great. But that's not how everybody
0: retains information. Yeah. Now I use I use pie every March 14th. Yes.
1: To eat pie. (laughs) pie (laughs) <laughs> yep. I
0: actually did it this year with my kids, and I'm like, it's Pi Day. They're like, are we having pie?" I'm like, no, it's 3.14. Wait, you don't know yeah. what Pi Day Okay, never
1: mind. But I mean, but that's not how, you know, some people, like I know for me, I'm a very tactile learner. Yeah. You know, some people, they need to, and if they're going to retain information, they need to know how it's going to benefit them. So you put them in a liberal arts class, if it's something they have no interest in, you know, they're spending thousands of dollars on that class that they see no value in. And again, same thing with you, I'm not knocking college, but it's it's not the best environment for everybody. Yeah. You know, my ex-husband was from Germany. And so he said like after middle school, you know, when you're like 12 or 13, not everybody goes to the typical high school. You know you can go to the high school that gets you prepared for college or you can go to a high school that's more focused on a specific trade or industry and I thought that that's fantastic because again, not everybody's just gonna thrive in a typical academic environment.
0: Let's hash out the confidence part real quick. Mm-hmm. You mentioned somewhere along the way that your education through what are all these letters. Here CIC CRM CPCU AU. What's the AU one again? Associate in Commercial Underwriting. Got it. And then CLCS, which is Commercial Lines Coverage Specialist. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you gained confidence through your education, which is what education is really meant to do. And man, I agree with that. You know, I'll I'll say when I'm speaking with somebody or trying to help mentor somebody. I don't think it was until about five years in where I really felt confident enough to, when I picked up that phone, chances are I'm going to be answering that question without hesitation. Mm -hmm. And that only came after I started my CISR, which was just like you, in order to get me into um, the industry education and beyond, uh, I was also doing my formal education at the same time. but beyond my formal education, combined with my industry education, it was the employer. The employer said, hey, we're willing to pay for this. Let's, you know, let's do it. So, you know, leverage that and take advantage of it if you've got that option. And if you don't, well, then beg the crap out of your employer Mm -hmm. until you do, right? So let's talk about the confidence that, man, you, (laughs) I'm a little envious of you (laughs) because you just... (laughs) You exude so much confidence, I've never met you in person. I've only seen you virtually. so let's talk about the confidence that you have to come in and own a virtual room it, 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 Did that just come from the education um i think I
1: think the education was a big part of it um in in a prior life when I was in underwriting so i uh was in a in a field underwriting role for a while, and this was at the time when nationwide Captive agents were going independent, or and when Nationwide started mm-hmm. to bring on independent agents, you know, uh, under Allied. But so there was a lot of. Not only was I in this role where I was just underwriting the business that came in, but I was working specifically with these newly appointed agents. So there was a lot of uh, education and training that I was having to provide to the agents as well. So it's one thing to absorb the information but then when you have to explain it going out <laughs> you know you you have to explain things in a way to basically you got to know what you're talking about and so then yeah. working with these you have to know
0: what you're talking about with all without all the insurance exactly and all without it.
1: all the jargon and so being in that capacity made me realize okay i, I do know what i'm talking about i'm not just uh You know, reading the manual and following the directions here, you know, you, you have to use critical thinking skills and that's, it's a, it's a big part of the job. Otherwise, otherwise you become just a processor. That, that was my, uh, that was kind of an argument we talked about in underwriting often is the underwriters need to make the decisions. Are you an underwriter or are you processor? Processor is just, you know, checking off all the boxes and pushing the stuff
0: through. So, did you ever get calls from agents that wanted to argue with you about?, No, you? never what are you talking about that may or may not have been my oh. thing <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I just I love a good challenge to overcome an underwriting guideline. <laughs> you know it was funny it was
1: it was what I had the most fun doing, and without any sarcasm, like I really had a lot of fun doing is when. An agent would come to me and they said, well, this is the, this is the insurance business. And like their business didn't quite fit the description of any ISO GL, like GL code. And it's like, okay, well, how do we, what do we actually call this? You know, they're rated as this, but they're not really doing this. So what do we, you know, uh, so you, it's, it's an
0: art, <laughs> you know, I would say underwriting is more of an art than a science." That's, I see that because I can, as you're moving your hands, like you're bending and molding a GL code, uh-huh. something totally new. Yes, <laughs> That's amazing. Now, you know, I'm really happy that we were able to have this conversation today. You know, it really was meant to focus on just that there are so many different ways to come to the same point. So I kind of want to pick your brain for a second about why you went from what you were doing, and what gave you the confidence to explore this position at the National Alliance? Because I know for me, it was really sudden. I wasn't even looking for it. It was kind of one of those things that fell out of thin air, and it was just all the signs point to go, right? Yep. And it was the first time in my professional career that I had read a description of a position and checked all the boxes, but then set in my own feelings and went, I don't think I can do this. Mm. Like this sounds, I don't think I'm good enough for this. I'm not, (laughs) you know. And then when I came to the National Alliance, and it was so funny, the word expert was tossed around so much. It was used, you're the expert in personal We need you to be our expert. We need, you know, the word expert was so intimidating to me now that I've been here for a year, though, I look back on myself a year ago and go, why couldn't you have had that yeah. confidence <laughs> then? So I want to explore your confidence um, in the decision. Did you have confidence? Did you feel like your uh, your industry education brought you here? Or did you feel like this was a huge leap of faith and you're going to see just how far you can take this? So I actually, no, I went into it was fully
1: confident. You know, so I was I had done training for independent agents for about seven or eight years, you know, working for this company in an agency training role for both primarily in commercial lines. And about two years ago, I left that company to take a leap of faith job as as like a data, you know, for a data vendor working with insurance carriers. But for the longest time, I would still get calls to my cell phone from agents, you know, asking for my opinion on something. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite calls to get when I was at Nationwide was the is this covered question.
0: And, you know, of course, obviously, if it's a claim, I mean, let, let the claims adjusters handle it. You know, we're just trying to get it in writing so we can put it in the file, <laughs> Yeah. <right? laughs> so, but I would love, <laughs> I would love pulling up the coverage forms and like,
1: well, let's walk through this together. And I in about, let would say five or six years ago, we had to do this thing, you know, your career, your talent profile. And what do you want what's your five-year plan? What are, what are your career goals? And I remember saying to my boss at the time, I said, I would love to get involved at more industry level training, perhaps something like with the National Alliance. I would love to teach these classes. And then I, but that was just a pipe dream. Cause I just, again, seeing the faculty that actually teaches our courses right. and the experience there, like these people have experience all across the board. I've worked yes. for only just these two companies my entire life. My experience can't measure up to these faculty members. I'm like in my head. I'm like, yes,
0: that's how I felt. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, that's what it started with for me. Is I was like, I think I could do the faculty thing, but man, I wonder where do they get their confidence from? Yeah, like, you know, because usually it's like somebody with a consulting firm, mm-hmm. or they've been in insurance for twenty plus years, and yeah. they've got all this confidence that they just exist. And I'm like, no, 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 well, no, and I that's I when I that. realized, yeah. um, you know, so. It,
1: when I was like doing my cover letter, and I said, "In my twenty years of industry, I was like, I'm old. <laughs> it's already twenty years in this industry." <laughs> but oh, I just this is that twenty twenty is such a weird number it is. when you think about yeah. how far you come. So I remember like being in the industry because I started in the industry before nine eleven, and then when nine eleven, all the terrorism endorsements and how everything changed, and I'm like, "Wow, it, it has been a long time." But you no, when I when I saw the job posting for, for this role with the National Alliance, it was honestly one of those days where I was just, I was on the National Alliance website. It was just, I was having a day where I just wasn't satisfied with my last job. And I thought, well, let me just see if they've got anything. And it wasn't a posting I found on LinkedIn anywhere. I'm on the National Alliance site. Oh, because I had to sign up for my next, I had to look at the schedule to do my update credit anyway. So I was like, well, let me just look and see. And I saw the commercial uh, academic director position and I read it and I went, this is, this is, this is perfect. This is it. Yes, this is, never before had I felt like, yes, this is it. <laughs> I'm applying for this. Yeah, I, right. like I sent it so quickly because I was so excited about the job. I threw my resume together so quickly and sent it off that by the time the HR director called me back and I looked at my resume, i went. Like, I put the wrong dates on some of these jobs. <laughs> like, it looks like I had been in a job for like two months instead
0: of eight years. Cause I just, I threw it together so quickly. I was just so excited. <laughs> That's okay. When I was trying to fill out the background check information, I was so like just in this, what is happening right now kind of space, yeah. like how is this all coming together? This is something that I wanted to do, but I didn't see myself doing it right now. Mm-hmm. I was putting my husband's social security number on <laughs> forms, didn't even realize it because the numbers in your head, mm-hmm. using the wrong phone number, I mixed up our driver's license numbers, you know, yep. it was just like... <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, One of our friends came over to notarize it in order for me to be able to send it back. And my husband took a look over it first. He was like, um, that's my driver's license <laughs> number. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. No, I was, I was, I so-
1: brought it out again. Yeah. Well, and I was so excited to be, you know, because again, I had spent close to 20 years building up this education through all these courses. And then again, in my last role, I was still working with in the insurance industry, but kind of on the other side of things. So I felt like all of these years of experience and knowledge was not being used at all. And so when I saw this job, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I can actually use all of this knowledge that I've worked so hard for over the years. And then also to be a part of that for other people. You know, and, and I'm going to sound a little preachy here, and I apologize in advance. But again, for someone that did not go the traditional college route and really had to fight to be taken seriously, the National Alliance was such a big part of that journey for me. And so yeah, to be able to be on this side, like I can't tell you how excited I am about the high school program. Because, yes, I mean, it's so fascinating. And again, telling my 15 year old, I'm like, I'm going to get you into insurance. (laughs) We're moving to Texas so you can take insurance classes, kids, let's go. (laughs) um, But because it's like, it's, I consider myself, I've never wanted to be in a role, like I've never wanted to be a people leader. You know, I never wanted to manage people at all. But I consider myself a coach in a lot of ways. I really like being Mm. in a coaching capacity. I like being able to help people get from point A to point B. And I like being able to share information with people. If if I can tell, give somebody a piece of information that makes their job easier, or just to make them go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And if that makes their lives easier in any way, I'm happy. Like that's all I need. That's amazing. So I'm really excited to be a part of that and, and find ways that we can, um, number one, make the industry more exciting to people that are not in the industry. Oh, funny story. Years ago, I was actually at like a Christmas party or some thing, whatever. And someone said to me, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm an insurance underwriter. And
0: I kid you not, this guy- Did they back away from you slowly?
1: Not even. It's worse (laughs) than that. He goes, oh, you looked like you'd be interesting to talk to. And then he left. What's that supposed to mean? It, I looked like I'd be interesting to talk to until I say I'm an insurance underwriter, oh, and then no. you're not interesting to
0: talk to. Yeah, can you believe that? You jerk! <gasps> By the way, I bodybuild. I build. Yeah. I bodybuild with coffee and lots of jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> It's a body. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my style of bodybuilding. I think my husband's bought me at least three bags of jelly beans. Don't knock it. I, I eat Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> I eat Sour Patch Kids as my mid-workout. Oh my gosh, right? That's my mid-workout carbo-loading. Like, all right, got to get that glucose. Sour crystals. Patch Kids? Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, You know, um, I've got one question, totally off topic. I'm toying between a couple of different questions here because I think they're really relevant. So I've got these two little cards Uh that I pulled out of a deck. Uh, Let's go with, uh, what feeling do you think is most uncomfortable? Embarrassment, anger, fear, or something else? Sure oh, you know, what is most uncomfortable? Embarrassment,
1: anger, fear, or something else? So, oh, that's
0: that's deep. I love it. I love deep questions. Well, and the reason why I really wanted to pick this one out, and there's a huge stack of cards, man. It mm-hmm. took me a minute to mm-hmm. to to find this one. I wish I could just pull them out and then start asking. But these are actually geared towards parents and their kids, and I didn't really think that you wanted me asking you. What do you not like about my parents' skills? it's probably not a good one, yeah, but no, I felt like this one was really good for a couple of different reasons. Mm-hmm. We're talking about education yeah. here, and education can be scary mm-hmm. um and and fear can be a big motivator when you start to overcome that, so I thought this was a good one. No,
1: that's a great question, um because fear, I think is uncomfortable but fear is like you said a big motivator honestly fear is why I got into bodybuilding because someone suggested it and I went I don't even like wearing bathing suits at the beach you want me to get on stage in a bathing suit and have people judge me that's ridiculous
0: oh, oh okay well can I do this <laughs> that takes a lot of confidence to get up there and it
1: it does but see that's what I love about fear because you don't know what your limits are until you get there and so like, I never thought I could do anything. I, I, I used like to Like, run... I get under the covers Yeah, I'm afraid. That's I mean, I, never, I, I used to run marathons. And I remember running that first mile was really hard. And then you just, you keep going until you can't anymore. But no, I, I like fear. Because I use fear as a motivator. So to me, the worst would be embarrassment. Because embarrassment is something after the fact. And I can't turn back the clock and fix that. And I go, ooh, shoot, did I really just say that? Did I? And how many times do you replay it in your head for how many years? Oh, there's this, okay, there's this one incident that is playing in my head 15 years later still. There was this man in town that throughout the years, every time I'd see him, like I would trip or fall or I would have something hanging out of my nose. And this man was just way too good looking. And after a couple years, it was like, okay, I'm not even ever going to date this man. I just need to look cool. and That's all I need to do. So I see him out at this bar one night and I had had some drinks. And I see him and I'm I'm feeling confident. And I he's talking to these two other women and I pushed the two women out of the way. I said, Hi, I'm Kat. And he shakes his hand and he goes, Hi, I'm so and so. And I went, I know who you are. And then we just stood there for a minute and I went, I'm gonna go now. And I walked away, but I still felt like I was just, I conquered my fears. I finally talked to this guy. <laughs> and that's, I can do no wrong because I conquered this fear and talked to the guy. And I go back to my friends. I'm like, I did it. I talked to that guy. And one of my friends looks at me and goes, were you eating spinach earlier? And I ran to the bathroom and I had a giant scallion, like stuck between my teeth that nobody thought to say anything about. Oh, <laughs> no.
0: And so, oh, if I could only go back and take my moment again. But no. Right. I think embarrassment is probably the one that I can't learn the most from because I just sit in it for so long. Exactly. And replay it, and it gets worse every time. Mm -hmm. It really does. It really does. So, no, give me fear or anger over embarrassment any day. That's (laughs) fun. Thank you, Kat, for joining me on today's uh episode of Awkward Insurance. I am so happy that we were able to get together. And again, you know, I just really wanted to have a fun conversation around there are so many different paths to success. And no one path is better than the other. No one degree sits above anybody's experiences. It's really about everything that you do to better yourself and improve yourself, set your goals and rise above. And I know for me, and I think for you too, Kat, the National Alliance has really been there in terms of helping me set those goals and giving me the knowledge to help me rise above. So thank you again for being on uh, this episode and have a great day. Thank you. It was great. Thanks for hanging around and listening to another Awkward Conversation in Insurance. Stay tuned for new episodes from Awkward Insurance wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to check out the National Alliance on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or at scic.com. Now, go forth and be awkward. Toodles!